<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast. August 19th. One of Star Trek's biggest icons. Or celebrity fans. Or both. We'll be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by former fighter pilot and Canadian Space Agency astronaut, Chris Hadfield. We humans are so much more than just simply alive. Conscious intelligence gives us this incredible ability, this lift ourselves up by the bootstraps ability to unwrap the very secrets of life itself here in this universe where we find ourselves living. Welcome back, everyone. It's just time to talk about that quote by one of the most famous astronauts out there. I'm Sharon Melton. So happy to be filling in for our wonderful Rachel. We miss her, but we know she's here with us in spirit. And I'm so glad, Trent, to be joining you today to be a special little co-host to help you out with this fun, amazing talk about some of Gene Roddenberry's fabulous quotes. And we have an amazing guest with us today, Gary Witta. He is a screenwriter. He is an author. He is the man extraordinaire who's joining us today. Gary, thank you so much for being with us. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Yes, exactly. So Trent, this quote is very interesting to all of us. All of the quotes are, we know that, but I love the fact that it reminds us as human beings about, you know, our conscious intelligence. That's mm-hmm. something that some of us sadly don't use very much. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to say, mm-hmm. but it's there. And the fact that also as it mentions in here, to unravel the very secrets of life itself and to have an astronaut such as Chris right there talking about that. I've had the privilege, being that I am a journalist here in Houston, to talk to a number of astronauts, a number Mm. of people who work for NASA. And that whole idea of being able to explore things in outer space itself is just truly a once in a lifetime type of thing. And not everyone gets a chance to do it. We're talking about only hundreds of people, several hundred people who've been able to do that. But we here on earth still have the ability of exploring and using our intelligence here on this planet to look at life in another way, instead of just stopping and saying to ourselves, as I read the quote here, we humans are much more than just simply alive. Mm -hmm. We have the ability of expanding our way of living in so many different directions, but some of us don't take advantage of it, whether it's because of circumstances, whether it's because of where we grew up and people telling us you're not going to amount to anything, whether it's that sadly, that little voice inside of us that holds us back sometimes instead of pushing us forward. There are so many elements, I think, within our own universe here on this planet that holds us back when in in fact, we should be looking forward. It's not about living, it's about giving back. It's about doing more than sometimes what is expected of you. And I think if people get out of that shell, Sometimes I think it would really help us expand not only the life we're living right now, but the life that was meant for us, whether we see it or not. 
Yeah. And for me, you know, when I think about uh, like the point that I think that that Gene is trying to make with this and the distinction between just simply being alive and being conscious, because there's there's our, our planet is is full of life. There's life in the ocean. There's life in, in the plant life. There's plant in, in the animal kingdom. And, you know, being alive is not enough. Even us humans who don't really consider our consciousness to the to the levels that that maybe you know m- most of us do but we still do have that sentience that that spark that separates us from animals but then i also think about i mean you know i i i adopted two kittens last year um they were my covid babies <laughs> and uh, it's been a long time i i've had pets as a as a as a child but it's been a long time since i've i've had animals in my in my daily life. And when I see them growing up and I look in their eyes and I, I just wonder, what do they think about? Like, what do they think about me lumbering around, feeding them, playing with them, chasing with them, yelling at them to get off the countertops? Like, I, I wonder, like, do they have a consciousness? And just because I don't or we don't understand that they have a consciousness, does that mean that they don't? And so that was like the one of the first things I thought about when I when I read this quote is that Conscious intelligence gives us this incredible ability to, you know, lift us up. And and it just made me think about, like, what is consciousness? Like, these are themes that are explored in Star Trek itself. When Data, the android, yearns to be human. And, you know, we we follow his, his story and we see his story unfold over the many seasons of The Next Generation and into the films and beyond that he, he strives to be human more than his mechanical parts. And it's hard to not identify with that character. Obviously, he's played by a human on a TV show. But if you put yourself in his place of this android who wants to be human, does he have a consciousness because he is made of man-made materials? Does he have a soul? Like, these are very, very big questions that are, you know, embedded into stories like Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation that, I mean, what? What is consciousness? What do you think, Gary? (laughs) So, I mean, before we even start here, I'm going to just issue a full disclaimer. I'm fully aware of the fact that we're kind of wading into philosophical waters where I may well be (laughs) out of my depth. This is a very deep (laughs) quote that we're discussing here. Because it, yeah, it really does go down to, to the heart of everything. You know, what is the nature of the, you know, kind of the human condition? And um, this is obviously more of a, a philosophical yeah. uh, uh, question that, that Gene is, is talking about here than, you know, a kind of a scientific one. It's funny you mentioned pets because, you know, I think I, we have a, a little dog here at the, the house and I'm, I'm often quite envious of her mm-hmm. because it's, you, you, you ask yourself, like, what are they thinking about? I guarantee you when you see your dog or your cat like laying on the couch or staring off into space, they're not thinking life, what's it all about? Or, you know, like, I wonder if there's anything, you know, bigger than, you know, is there a God or, you know, what's, what, what, what is, what is the purpose of my existence? They're just thinking about where their next street's coming from. True. Or, you know, where the next belly rub is coming from. And wouldn't that be, it wouldn't be, wouldn't that be a nice way to live your life? Like that's the, 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 the worst thing you got to worry about is like, when am I going to get my next, uh, you know, belly scratch or whatever? Yeah. That'd be wonderful. So I often think that, you know the very kind of limited, you know, uh, lens through which animals live their lives is is often something to be quite envious of. It makes me think of I don't know if you if either of you read any uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Another great visionary, Douglas mm-hmm. Adams, who I grew up reading. Um, in one of the books, they have this they have this punishment. It's the worst punishment in the universe. 
It's called the Total Perspective Vortex, and it's and it's and it's uh, reserved only for the worst criminals. It's like there's death, and then there's this. This is the worst one after. This is the thing they do. Like, is if executing you is like not good enough. Like, they really have to punish you. They put you in this thing called the Total Perspective Vortex, and it's basically just like it looks like a like a porta potty, like a just like a little cabin, <laughs> like a little shower stall that they shut you in, and they close the door and they switch it on. And what happens is it's like a little portable planetarium. But it's to full scale. And basically what it does is for like just one second, you get to see the entire universe in full scale. And there's a tiny little arrow like that's like a micro dot on a micro dot on a micro dot on a micro dot that says you are here. Yeah. And just for that one second, you get to fully understand in full scale just how utterly, utterly insignificant you are mm -hmm. in the scale of the mm -hmm. entire universe around you. And people always come out of the total perspective or just like their mind is just like turned to jelly because mm -hmm. the human mind, the human ego can't possibly comprehend just how big the universe is and just how small they are within it. But, you know, it's, it's something we like to, you know, do all the time, watching a number of kind of YouTube videos about like the scale of the universe and you get to a point very quickly where the scale of it just becomes like an abstract number and you can't even think about how big it is right and how tiny you are in in the full context of that but it's you know it's a very humbling thing to think about that you know we're a tiny dot on a tiny dot that is orbiting around another tiny dot that is just part of like a galaxy that's part of you know a bigger universe and on and on it goes until your brain melts and so you know it's it's it i often think that our ability to kind of think philosophically about, you know, again, we're the only species on earth that does this, right? That engages in that, in that kind of thought that engages mm -hmm. in philosophy and why are we here and what's the meaning of our existence and how did we get here and how were we were created? And is there a why to how we were created and all of this stuff? It's where all religion stems from. It's where all philosophy stems from. And I don't know if we ever will figure it out. I kind of feel like this is, this is like as deeply philosophical as I allow, as I allow myself to get. Cause again, I'm way out of my depth here, but I feel like that answer always has to remain somewhat out of reach because that's the real existential crisis, right? If we ever figure it all out, yes. oh, there we go. We found the boundaries of the universe. We actually yes. understand how, we fully understand how it was created. Why are we here? We did it. We, we put in the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle. We now see all of it. There are no mysteries left. We understand everything. Now what? Right? So it's like you finish, it's like you finish, you, you know when you get to like the, the end of a really good book and you're like, yes. oh, I'm kind of sad it's over and yes. you kind of miss it. It's like, I feel like that would be it for our, for our lives. It's like, oh my God, like there's nothing left to figure out. The human desire to kind of act, to find the next question and answer it. But then every time you answer the question, there's another one that stems from it. And the nature of the universe and, 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 our, and our human nature, the way that we think about it, I think are very, very compatible in that we always want to know more mm -hmm. and there's always more to know. But if, we, if that equation were to ever fall out of balance, we got to a point where we've, we've figured it all out. Yes, there's a God or no, there isn't. And again, here's exactly how big the universe is. Here's why we are here. Here is in fact the meaning of life. If we ever actually figured that out, I honestly don't know if that would be a good or a bad thing for the human species. Like what would there be left for us to do? Oh gosh. Wow, we went deep on that. One. I told you it was going to get heavy. <laughs> I loved it. No, no, I loved it. I mean, I loved the different directions you went in. I mean, talking about how how small we are, and it also reminds me of Men in Black when you open up the locker and you realize, oh my gosh, there's these giants going through there. Okay, yeah. we're part. Yeah. We're just the marble. Our galaxy is just a marble or something like that. But also, it it brings back the fact that we're still almost like pebbles. So if you throw a pebble into water, you still call it cause a ripple. 
And we are still causing ripples and ripples and ripples. So I'm hoping that would be the case and that we would not learn everything. But I would love to learn more about what I can do. And that's what I would hope when it mentions about here, pulling ourselves up from our bootstraps, the ability to do that, to let us know that even though we don't know everything, Mm -hmm. even though we want to try to learn everything, we may not learn everything, but we can still learn a lot. And our bootstraps are not going to sink if we can pull them up. Because, you know, even when we pull up our bootstraps, it always seems like you take one step and you fall into quicksand. You take a nut Mm -hmm. step and you're falling Mm -hmm. into mud and you feel like I can't pull them up. I can't pull them up. I can't do anything else. But that conscious intelligence comes back. It has to remind, it goes one of two ways. Yes, we're getting the philosophical again. One of two ways, in my opinion. One, we go down one road where we don't go any further and we just stop. And the abilities that and the the possibilities stop with us mm-hmm. as opposed to going the other direction. And there may not be light, but are you willing to go into the darkness to try to find the light? Ooh. Are you willing to take another step, even if your boots are sinking and sinking low and say, well, let me just switch boots. I can jump out of these and maybe there's another pair I can put on. Let me try something else. Yeah. So hopefully within our own intelligence, if we allow it, because some people still don't allow it. They still hold themselves back. They still yep. listen to the negativity. They yep. still listen to people who know they're not going to, they think they're not going to accomplish much because they're going to tear you down to bring you down with them. Mm-hmm. So if we just trust ourselves more, if we listen to that inner part of ourselves, that little child again, mm-hmm. and say, hey, maybe, just maybe I can do something different. I can make a difference. I can, I can do something amazing that no one ever thought of, that maybe if we trust that a little bit more, maybe we can learn more and do more. And take another step. I love what both of you said because I'm listening. I was listening to Gary, and I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't really think about that way." And then you, Sharon, as you continued, I'm like, "I didn't think about that that way either." And it's wonderful that in a conversation like this, that you know, our minds can be opened a little bit more. So, Gary, when you were mentioning um, how what next, like what next if we do figure it all out, if we have all the answers, and the first thing I thought was like, well. I don't think as humans, we're ever going to let ourselves get to that point because we can't agree on very, very basic things. So the idea of agreeing on the truths of like what is what is, I think we're a long way from that happening. So I guess that's a good part about all this disagreement. I don't know. And also, Gary, I love that you mentioned Douglas Adams because it's storytellers like him, like Gene Roddenberry, like my favorite author, Neil Gaiman who have filled my head with these wonderful stories about like, you know, trees and the council of trees and trees that communicate with one another as the wind flows through their branches. And um, like the mice in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, who are really the ones running the show on Earth that we don't even know about. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read the book or seen the movie. (laughs) It's just wonderful to think about how our human consciousness and the human consciousness of creativity can can feed these stories that can, you know, make it possible, or at least in my imagination, make it possible that the trees swaying outside my window are speaking to one another. And what does that mean in terms of like consciousness? And just because, you know, we humans don't understand it, does that mean that it's not valid? We've spoken a few times about the fact that we only use like 10% of our brain's capacity. What if we did get to use the the rest of the 90% of our brain's capacity, what powers or what abilities would that unlock? Would we be able to recognize consciousness or sentience in rocks or, you know, the ocean or, or I don't know. It's just, it's just what, what I love about the world of Star Trek, the world of sci-fi and fantasy 
and storytelling in general is that the, you know, there's no limit to what the stories, the stories can take you and can unlock these, you know, thoughts or ideas in your mind that you never even knew existed. Yeah, I think um, I think the thing about not using 90% of your brains, like scientifically, I think that's a bit of an urban myth. But I think where there is truism there, mm-hmm. where, where there is truth there is I, is uh, biologically, we may already be using most of our brains. I think, you know, like a, like a brain doctor would probably tell you that. But where I think the 90 to 10 ratio is probably more true philosophically is you, I think you can make the argument we only use like a, a tiny fraction of our humanity. Ah. And that's where there is that's where there is room for yes. growth. And again, you look at just how divided we are, you know, here in America and around the world, and mm-hmm. we can't even we can't even all agree on if the world is round. Like, yeah. it, it, like, come yeah. on, yeah, come on. Like, we, we it clearly it's it's so far, and, that, and that's kind of the, the the essential kind of duality of if, if you may, we could put a man on the moon, but we can't agree that the world is round. Yeah, right? like how like how can the same species? How, and that's and that's the the, the the amazing kind of united colors of Benetton of it all, right? Of the yes. of the. Of the I think I kept aging myself a bit with that reference, but do you know what I mean? It's like how amazing, how amazing, and how like brilliant and also depressing is it that the same species that can put a man on the moon cannot also universally agree that the Earth is round? Like it's just mad that we have that much of a spectrum. And I think what happens is like I think you know diversity of thought and diversity of opinion and diversity of religion and belief and things like that is part of what makes us so wonderful that it's not just one unit. We don't all you know believe one uniform thing mm-hmm. but i think in order for us to move forward it wouldn't kill us to have that that spectrum narrow just a little bit to take like the fringe crazies out on either side and just like come together on the things that we can agree on and you know obviously we're dealing with all kinds of issues right now with you know anti-vaxxers and mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. and you know people i i personally think are kind of prioritizing the wrong things right now and you know just just finding a way to to lift ourselves up, you know, we talk about lifting up, up our bootstraps. I, I think about that again from a kind of philosophical point of view of just finding a way out of kind of the darkness and ignorance that so often holds us back and what is going to lead us to the next planet or the next star or first contact or that kind of utopian ideal that Gene you know, talked about, you know, where, you know, we had abolished poverty and racism and hate. I mean, that to me is always the, the hardest thing to, to kind of imagine. And the thing where I, it's, 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 it's also where like, there's, if you really kind of go into it, and I'm very nerdy about Star Trek world building, where the biggest gaps are, mm-hmm. right? Like you can, you can go online as, as I have done, cause I'm super nerdy and read all <laughs> kinds of very detailed, like breakdowns about how a warp drive would actually Actually work right yes, by, yes. By, con- mm-hmm. by contracting the space in front of the warp bubble and expanding the space behind it and you're not actually moving faster than light but you're moving you but you're but you're warping the space around you mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff and very, very but then you but then but then you say to someone okay so how does it work that we don't have racism anymore <laughs> and how is nobody poor and why yeah. is there no, wait, how yeah. does how does this decide there's no money in the future how does that work and people go uh, uh, uh because we know because i don't think we ever really thought that stuff out because again if we actually had answers to that stuff it wouldn't belong it wouldn't be in just in the province of science fiction we would have we would apply it in our real lives those are the real it's not like how do you build an engine far fast enough to get us to it to, to another star system 
that I don't think that's the issue. I kind of feel like scientifically we will eventually figure those things out. Yeah. But but the issue is like, well, okay, that, so that's that's a scientific problem that we can solve. In terms of what's a human problem we can solve? Well, how do we stop hating each other because of the color of our skin? That's when we start to run out of answers because it's a much it's a much thornier problem and it's and it's rooted in in much in you know in much deeper systemic issues. So again, it's a brilliant thing to think about. Like if we could get to that point, but like it's really really hard to imagine how we get there when, you know, when you look at the cynical modern day that we live in. Right. But I will say that Gene has set that star at the 23rd century and the 24th Mm -hmm. century. And he says, look, if we do want to get to this future where we can travel faster than light and, and transporters and replicators, we have to do the work here on planet earth and we have to value diversity. And, and, and many of our quotes have talked about that and we could go on and on and on. And fortunately we have all week to can, to continue these conversations. So Sharon, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? Uh, No, I think that's pretty much it other than the fact that we do have slight moments in which we can come together. The Olympics proves that. Those little moments, I think, still gives us a little bit of hope, even in our cynicism. I think if we see more of those, then maybe, just maybe, we can see Gene's vision come to fruition one day in the 23rd or 24th century. (laughs) Uh, Such a great conversation. And we are lucky to have, I'm lucky to have both of you all week long. So listeners, please, if you want to check out a video of Chris reading today's quote, you could check it out on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope you'll join the three of us again tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. 